This is John Gescheitmeyer of Wisconsin Real Estate Today, your real estate expert. This podcast is designed to equipping people with the teaching and tools they need to succeed in real estate. I hope you enjoy this episode and subscribe for more real estate content. Buying a home is a process, and it's a long process for some. But in the end, we can get it right by making sure that we understand what you're looking for and what you need, what's really important to you, and what can be maybe negotiable. I'm John, and I'm your host here on Wisconsin Real Estate Today, your podcast for Wisconsin real estate information. And for part two here in our buyer series, I'm joined by Stacy Gazanik. Welcome back. Thanks, John. Thanks for having me. So in the last episode, we talked about more of the contractual stuff, right? We talked about um, the, the responsibilities that we have as agents, why it's maybe not the best to go to the listing agent. They don't represent you. No, they don't. And when I, you know, when, 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 when buyers think they can get a better deal because, because they go to the listing agent, oftentimes that backfires. You didn't have somebody in your corner, right? Somebody representing you specifically. So representation aside, in this podcast, I'd like to get into the, the nitty gritty, the fun stuff, and maybe the not so fun stuff about buying a home because it's a huge process. We will always advocate that somebody uses a buyer agent, right? Absolutely. We have some great people here, but let's talk about how people generally buy a home. Generally, they will either buy a for sale by owner which is less than, I think, six or seven percent. Um, or they'll use an agent. They'll get full access to MLS. They sign a buyer agency agreement, and then they go out and looking at homes with their agent. But most people, it just perplexes me how they select an agent. And I want to cover <laughs> about the things that they should look for in a buyer agent. So what are those things, those qualities, that somebody should look for in a buyer agent? The qualities that one should look for, the first one would be knowledge. Knowledge of the market, knowledge of the contract, knowledge of negotiation, knowledge of their area, and knowledge of the buyer. People ask me sometimes, they'll say, well, as a listing agent, because I want to do both, right? As a listing agent, you know, you're, you're from Waukesha, but our home is in East Troy, or Johnson Creek, or Fond du Lac. And I say, you know what, that doesn't matter because it's all based on data. It's understanding the market through numbers in most cases and doing comparisons. Absolutely. But a buyer agent, buyer agent, that's a little bit different. A buyer agent has to understand the local market. You know, in Waukesha, in Sussex, in Waukesha County. If you're in southeastern Wisconsin and you're, and you're listening to this, you understand those communities. Both have higher levels of a radium in the water. If I'm an agent from Johnson Creek or Lake Geneva and I'm helping you buy a home in Waukesha, you may not know that. You may not know that just approved was this massive development because you don't follow the local politics, the local news. Right. So knowledge and experience is huge. Let's also, and let's face it, some people don't want to talk about this, but generally speaking, when you hire your cousin to represent you in the purchase of a home <laughs> and your cousin has sold three properties ever, 
nothing again. We all, we were there, right? Oh yeah, we all have them. Everybody has to sell their first one. Then they have to sell their second one. Just like weight, losing weight. No one ever lost 10 pounds at a time <laughs> without losing appendages. They lost one, then the other. Correct. So we're not discounting experience, drive, motivation, uh, dedication. But would you rather use somebody who sold hundreds of properties or should you be using somebody who sold two on a purchase? You should be using somebody that has sold hundreds. In many cases. Yes. Right? Now, again, we're not trying to tell people you should leave your, you know, your wife's best friend. We're not making that statement, but we're asking you to consider experience to be one of, a, one of the biggest factors. Yes. Um, local is also one of the things that you mentioned as well. Yes. Having somebody local. Um, what are some qualities in the human being, though, as a buyer's agent? The quality that a buyer's agent should possess. So, in other words, what I'm asking is, maybe they should be good listeners. They should be compassionate, understanding. Because as, especially as a first-time home buyer, which a lot of people who listen to this will be, as a first-time home buyer, you've never been through this process. You're relying squarely on that agent to do their job. Now, they might not always like the answers, but if our job is to represent some people, right, it's our job to get them the house that fits their needs and wants. When you meet a new buyer, walk us through the process of how you understand them, how you get to know them, um, before you even are out looking at properties. Well, I, most of the time, what happens is I have a buyer that calls me and I just talk to them. I have, might have some questions that I ask them, but more about themselves than about what they want in a home. And then what I like to do is I like to have a buyer consultation, whether it be a, here at the office or whether it be at a, a local facility, have coffee, lunch, and then we get down to the nitty gritty. You go over the buyer's agency contract with them. I do not char charge a buyer's agency fee. So that's one of the first questions. How much is this going to cost me to use you? Me personally, I don't charge anything for a buyer's agency fee. But you get paid generally by the seller. So you are compensated for your duties. Absolutely, I'm compensated for my duties. And then we sit down, have you been pre-approved? And they'll say yes or no. If they haven't been, then I send them to a couple different lenders, give them a list. Here's a list of who I use. I have most success when I use lenders that I've worked with in the past, but you're free to use whoever you want. And then we go into the nitty gritty of, okay, so what would you like in a house? Well, I'd like uh, granite countertops, stainless steel appliances. I want four bedrooms, two and a half bathrooms, colonial, dining room. That's great. So how much do you think that that's going to cost versus how much you have to spend? Oh, well, that should be right there. No, it's really not. So now we go from the wants to the needs. What do you need? Well, I need three bedrooms. I need at least one and a half bathrooms. So we go over the needs. And then I set them up on an MLS portal of their 
needs, hoping to get maybe some of their wants for what they can afford. So now they start getting houses in the areas, what they want, and then they call me up and they wanna go start looking at houses. So let's stop there. Needs versus wants. Hmm. Um, I've worked with a lot of buyers uh, myself, and so I think this will be the same for you. But, uh, but I, I will ask you, do you find that there is a stark difference when people come to you initially, especially as first-time home buyers? They've never been through this process before. I, you know, experienced home buyers kind of get it a little bit more because they've done it before, right? Um, do you find that sometimes people are a little misguided in their expectations of what's out there? Absolutely. So people come to you and they say, Stacy, we want three bedrooms. We want a fenced in yard. We want a half an acre. We want it uh, in this community for this price. And already you know, because you know the market, that that's probably not going to happen. <clears throat> One of the tools I use right there is I log into MLS and I say, okay, I'm going to set up your MLS portal. It's going to get you directly into the MLS system. It's the advantage of working with an agent. You're going to get listings within a minute, two minutes, all new listings, right? We have a team, we have a large team. So even if I'm not available, I've got other team members that can show you the property, you know, because you got to get in fast in a hot market, especially in a seller's market. But then I run the search themselves. If we're setting this search up with all of your needs, right, which really are more wants. Right. And then we, and then we get realistic. And then we have to back those off. So could you live with one and a half baths rather than two full baths in your $200,000 house in Waukesha County? And they say, well, yeah, because what had just happened? I, I was able to show them real time that it, that two bath search leaves you with like 17 homes. Yes. 16 of which already have accepted offers. Absolutely. Where if I back off on the, on the bath to one and a half, well, now that may open up 30 more properties, and let's say you have 12 that don't have accepted offers. Right. So use the tools that are available to you, but it's also, could you live with a third of an acre? Could you live with, you know, a little less than a half or a little less than one? Right. Those well, are it's frank set, conversations you have to have. It is, but you're setting your buyers up for success when you start off this way First, because let's say that we get a home that has three bedrooms, one and a half bathrooms, on a half an acre, because, but the half acre is a bonus. So now they're getting what they want, what they need, and a little something of what they wanted. It's a trade-off. Price, value, I mean, that's what we're trying to do, right? Our job is to make sure they get the home. Now in a competitive situation, hey look, I'd love to get you this house for $15,000 under asking, but you have, comp you have competition now. And you have to give them what they want, unless it's so unrealistic. So let's, let's I, I probably jumped ahead of myself a little bit on that one. But let's talk about the importance of a pre-approval and who it's from. Give me your thoughts on, on that. You definitely have to have a pre-approval. And like I said, you want to have a pre-approval from a local lender, 
or bank or credit union. Why local? Because somebody listening to this might, might work for some of the bigger banks. We're not going to name them. But it's been our experience that those processes for the buyers have been really difficult in some cases. And in some cases, when they got pre-approved, we were three weeks into this process, right? You have an accepted, imagine this, you're a buyer, you have an accepted offer with a lender that people know. They know the name nationally. And then it gets through underwriting and about halfway through underwriting, you get a denial. They pre-approved you, nothing's changed. You didn't lose your job. And we see that a lot with some of the bigger banks. So we always recommend local. Yes. Our job is to make sure that you, and, and so let me, let me, I guess, also talk about what it's like. Your offer is going to be given to the listing agent. And if the listing agent is experienced, has been around the block a few times like you and I both have, we're gonna definitely know which lenders are good at what they do and which ones don't have the best reputation for closing loans. And it's our job to tell the seller that. Hey, I just wanna let you know that XYZ Bank and some even local, right? We, we're not we're not going to talk about you know we're not right. bashing any just the big banks here. There are some local banks that do not have a good reputation for lending, correct? And following through. So as part of the conversation, you're going to ask a buyer, "Have you been pre have you been pre-approved? Have you talked to a, a local lender?" Well, mm -hmm. no, we have a pre-approval with so and so. It's been my experience, based on all the amount of things, and, and I don't care who you use. I always tell them. You're welcome to use who you want, but I've had clients in the past that have had problems. And we talk about that, and we owe that to them, right? We owe them our honesty. Absolutely. We, there's no financial gain when we refer you to one of our lenders. That, that would be illegal Yes. to collect money from them for that referral. We can't get money. We can't get money from anybody on a referral. You can't get money from anybody on a referral, but when you're referring them to your top three or top five lenders that, that you're using, you know that there's less landmines that are going to go off with somebody that you know versus somebody that you don't. I don't want my clients to be a number. I wanna be able to call a lender, get them on the phone, have their cell phone that if I have to call them at night, we're negotiating an amendment or something like that, you know, which requires us to adjust the numbers I gotta bring the lender into that conversation. You know, if we find out that the roof has problems and eventually we have to budget for a replacement um, and we can't get it replaced, I, I'm gonna try to maximize the credits available to that, to that person. Yes. And I gotta get the lender involved in that conversation. If, I, if he doesn't answer the phone on a weekend, that's gonna be tough for me. And, and Very we find tough. that happens, especially with some of the bigger banks. So we'll get off the pre-approval. <laughs> Next step is you're going to go out and physically show homes to people. That's the fun part. That is the fun part. Opening the door, walking in, and I always say buying a home is about emotions and it's experience. It's about good sights, good sounds, good smells. We can see when that buyer walks in, the wife looks at the husband, and you can just see. Absolutely, that's the best. We have found the house. We found the house. Now they are putting furniture, their own furniture, in this house. And they've been in it for 10 minutes. 10 minutes. And they love it. This is it. This is, this is the one. It's like dating. You, I mean, you are dating homes, right? When you met your, when you met your husband 
at some point you knew. At some point he knew. Right. Right. It just happens. Absolutely. So at some point, and it's usually very early on in the process. Now we have to take the emotion out of that too. Oh yeah. Because it's our job then to obviously walk through the entire house. Now, conversely, sometimes when people will say, you know, they get to the, to the, to the home, they're walking up to it and they look at it and they say, Stacy, uh, look, let's just save our time. We're not interested in this one. And that's not a fun feeling because, you know, I, I, feel, I feel bad when that happens because the seller has taken the time to prepare the house for, for showings. They're excited, mm-hmm. especially in a, in a market where they haven't sold maybe right. for, you know, whatever reason. Right. And now we're not even going to go in. And I always tell my buyers, look, it's important, A, that we go in. And it's important for you to see what else is out there so you are a scholar of the market and you can see and you can compare it. And you don't know. Maybe the inside is such a great inside that you may love it. Right. Well, it's happened to me. My very first sale that I ever did, I will never forget it. I pull up to this house. I barely know how to open a lockbox. I was just kind of thrown into this. But I'm walking up to the house and my buyer says, Stacy, that's not the house. I'm like, oh, no, this is the house. They're like, no, it's that one across the street. Like, imagine how I felt. I was just like, oh, no. You brought him to the wrong house. I brought him to the wrong house. And I'm like, well, let's just go in anyway. It turned into an adventure, but um, it was the perfect house for them. We didn't, you know, we didn't have an appointment on the other one because I didn't set that one up. I set the wrong one up, but that was the house for them. They bought it. So... Sometimes you have to see the wants versus the needs. That's where the buyer's agent comes in. Nowhere in a contract does it say that, you know, we're going to take out the emotion of your purchase. But that's kind of what we're there for. Oh, absolutely. Um, it's easy to get emotionally attached. Just like when you sell. When you sell your house, you have to, you have to detach the emotions and that's tough when you have lived in a home for 20, 30 years. You brought a family up. You know, they come home for Christmas. We have a, a saying in our lobby that says home is not a place, it's a feeling. And it's tough to walk away from that when you're a seller. And I realize that, we realize that. But we're also trying to create that love, if you will, on the buying side. Absolutely. Where you do start envisioning your kids envisioning Christmases and holidays, um, you know, gatherings in the summer, you know, whatever, whatever it may be, right? Right. So we walk through the house, whether somebody loves it or not, and we're pointing out things. There's usually a systematic way that we do things, but that gets very quickly thrown off kilter <laughs> when the wife goes to the left and the husband goes to the right. But it's our job to make sure that they're seeing all of the important things. You know, so we're their leader. We are their, we are their guide. And I always, we talk, because we train our agents, we talk about have a process, stick to the process. You know, in law enforcement, I was on our, I was SWAT certified, but I was on um, what I would categorize as, and it wasn't an official thing, but it was like an entry team. We all, were, we all were tactically trained that if something bad happened, we knew exactly how to form a small team and go inside. But we, we always did the same thing. We always knew what the other person was going to do. 
And we do the same thing with our buyers. It's teamwork. We know and we learn very quickly what they like, what they don't like, what's negotiable, what's not negotiable, and who gets a vote. <laughs> so one of the questions I ask people very early on, it might be another, it might be, a, uh, let's say, a fiancé, you know, and, and a guy and a girl, people coming together, whatever it may be, whatever your scenario is, could be roommates buying a house, partners, whatever, whatever your scenario is. The people that are there, and I always try to get the decision makers. And then when we meet in person, I ask them, do, do you feel comfortable moving forward? Are you willing to sign a buyer agency agreement, make this all official? And by the way, is there any other decision makers that are going to come with us? Now, we're recording this in the COVID-19 era, and, and people who listen to this after won't, you know, th that'll be done with. So it's a little bit different now. You know, we can't bring mom and dads in, right? Things no. are restricted. Yep. For good reason. Buyers only. No children. Right. But, but, but... In the future, when we get back to somewhat normalcy, which will happen, um, you might have people from the family. You might have kids that go running upstairs to make sure that the room is big enough or they start choosing rooms. Right. It's a cool dynamic to see. That's awesome when the kids start picking out their room. But mom and dad might not like that one. <laughs> yeah. it, it's a process. Right. So now you've decided on home. Now you have to run comparables. You have to make sure that the listing agent's numbers the seller's numbers are accurate. And so it's our job to also look out for them, right? So we run those comparables. And that doesn't take long. No, not at all. It's a quick search on a buyer's side. Now, if you can't find the comparables that meet the listing price, then it's a little bit of a, a bigger struggle. But I mean, when I go into a neighborhood, I basically know what that neighborhood is worth anyway. So if you're in competition, let's, let's jump right to that. Oh, John, competition. Very common, right? It is very common. What are some ways that you get your buyers to the finish line when you know you have competition? Well, we use an escalator clause. Explain what that is briefly. Briefly, what that is is saying that the purchase price is $200,000, but you are willing to go up to two hundred and five thousand dollars to purchase this home so your top price is two hundred and five thousand dollars but you're willing to go up in two hundred and fifty dollar increments or whatever the increment might be above the highest offer that they have if you have competition if you have competition yes best part is it's automatic yes so but you don't you allow you don't allow things to get out of control no so let's say you've got a $300,000 sale. You know you have competition. House just hit the market. It was in and out all day, you know, as far as other people. Now you're writing the offer. It might be in $1,000 increments, but I can control that. I can say, I'm not going to go beyond 317000 Right. Because we as agents also, again, taking the emotion out of this, we have to be mindful that this, this building, this object, is exactly to, that. Right. It has to appraise. So, you know, we can't allow our buyers to get too high, right? We're there as advisors. Right. So let's say we've got the accepted offer. Congratulations. Yay! Yay! We're all good there. So we beat out the competition. Maybe we didn't have competition. I think both people, buyer and seller, are looking for something fair. Right? That's the word I always use to people. Right. Buyer just wants what's fair. They don't want to overpay for the house. 
So they, um, they have to go through a few things, though. There's a lot of contractual stuff that happens after that. First one is they have to formally apply for their loan, right? They have seven days to do that per yes. the contract. They usually have five days or so to mail in earnest money. Yes. Earnest money is? It is what I say. It's just you putting money down saying that you are going to purchase. It's a promise to pay. And it's a credit to your closing. So, you yes. know, it's not, you know, oh, yeah. and, and, and if you, if you don't breach the contract, you know, let's say your inspection goes bad and you need to get out. Um, you didn't give the seller the right to cure. Right to cure is a whole nother podcast. Oh yeah, that's totally. Oh. But you get that money back, right? But yes. but on the listing side, a listing agent, a seller will look at that and say that the higher the amount of earnest money, the more serious the buyer is. I don't know if I agree with that statement, but that is a common conception. Yes, it's common. I don't necessarily think I agree with that either. I, I agree with that. I, I think it's it's... Well, that's another story, I suppose. But um, so now we get through the inspection period. We're still negotiating on your behalf. We sure are. And that's usually where the major part of negotiating comes in. Yes. Right? Once we, we negotiate the offer successfully and we get it accepted, fast forward through the other two things. Now we're doing the home inspection and testing. We always recommend people do a home inspection, right? We can, we can black and white that one. You know I'm a gray guy. <laughs> I don't live in the black and white in many cases, but black and white, you should always be doing a home inspection. Always. Always. That $500 or up to where, however much that a home inspection costs could save you thousands and thousands of dollars. Well, you just had a talk with home site, so. The, and those were great episodes. Um, but we will always recommend it. Sometimes people want to throw that out, though, as a contingency in their offer when they are in a competitive situation, and that is extremely dangerous. It is. And even on a, you were in new home construction, right? You worked for a couple builders. Yes. Um, still do a home inspection, yes or no? Yes, absolutely. An emphatic yes from Stacy, as you heard. <laughs> absolutely, I agree with that as well. So now we're past inspection, we've negotiated, or you know what, we've killed the deal in that case. Sometimes it's just too much. Let's be honest, it's not always roses. It's not always roses, no. Um, and sometimes as much as you are being reasonable as the buyer, the listing agent, the seller, they may not be. Correct. The right to cure, again, we'll make that another podcast. I think that's a good one. That's a big topic to consider, whether you give somebody the right to cure or not. But either way, if they're not going to fix stuff, whether you give them the right to cure or not, you're out at some point. And we've saved you tens of thousands of dollars. And there might be tears involved in that because you lost out on what you thought was a perfect home. But I'm a firm believer that everything happens for a reason. And I'm a firm believer that that wasn't your house. That's the case. I always say the right one will come along. It might not be this one that you absolutely loved. But when they look at me like so discouraged and they're like, okay. And then the next house we look at, they're like, oh my gosh, Stacy, thank you for not letting me go through with that. Or thank you that this didn't happen. Or thank you because the right one will come along. We often hear a lot of um, religious um, emphasis there too. The thank you, Jesus. <laughs> thank you, Lord, we didn't buy that other property. <laughs> so we talked about appraisal already. That's really the next step. 
getting the property to appraise and i like to say that appraisals are based mainly a lot on science but also got an instinct it's 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 a little bit objective it's a little bit subjective but it has to appraise for purchase price that changed many many years ago when the market crashed appraisers used to look at lenders and say how much do you want oh yes how much how much what does this need to appraise for and we could take cash out at closing yes well that created a mess so that that's back changed. in the day as Tom Shinker would say Tom Shinker one of our agents back in the day but um, it has to appraise and really after that it's loan commitment in other words the formal we are approving your loan we're ready to go uh, and then it's on to the final walkthrough three days before closing and then closing and then celebration yes it's really that simple on a buyer standpoint it is but not on an agent's standpoint. There's a lot of wheels that go on, but that's why you hire us to do our job. It's simple on paper. It's simple when you look at a flow chart, but there's a lot of steps to it. Right. Um, how many times at closing, Stacy, do you get people who say, my God, I couldn't have done this without you? Just about every one. There's always something that comes up during a transaction. Absolutely. Well, how yeah. about after the appraisal and now you have something on title because in the contract it says that you have to have a clean and clear title it's a lot <laughs> there is a lot that goes into a contract but that's why we are here to guide you we are very happy for our buyers i get excited just when they get excited like this is awesome but then they don't really see what we do on the the back end we have to make sure everything is right for them. Sometimes, nego sometimes negotiations um, with another agent are really rough. Um, it does not go easy in many cases. And we insulate the buyer from that. Absolutely. You know, we keep things factual, and, 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 and it's certainly not personal. But in our, you know, our job, like you stated, is to make sure that they get what they're looking for, that they're happy. But we can't always control what happens on the other side, and we know that. But we are going to do our darndest to make sure that when it's all said and done, uh, our people are well protected. And happy. And happy. We are, referral, we are a referral business, right? When you're happy, you tell 10 other people. No, actually, you tell five. Yeah. When you're unhappy, you tell 25. Yeah, right? Uh, Stacy, thank you so much for joining me today. I think this is incredibly good information. Um, and you are available uh, to, mo to any buyer that has questions. You can find you online. Absolutely. You can find us at soldwisconsin.com. We've got agent profiles there. Um, and your buyers do love you. I, I, we, have a lot of, um, we have a lot of agents, and some of you are really, really good at, at, at dealing with your buyers. They love you. So thank you for that. You're welcome. Um, and you're part of the Property Sisters, so you have a little bit of a team within our team yes. of great people. Love my Property Sisters. Awesome. I'm John Gescheidmeyer. I am your host for Wisconsin Real Estate Today, your number one source for real estate information in Wisconsin. As always, if you have ideas for this podcast, send it through our Facebook page. Send me an email message. Call us at Remax Service First. We're located in Waukesha, but serve the entire state of Wisconsin full-service, dedicated, full-time agents who love helping buyers. Yes, Thanks again, Stacey. Do. Have a great day. Thank you.
This episode of Wisconsin Real Estate Today has come to a close. Be sure to subscribe to this podcast and let others know if you found this content useful. Until next time, make today your best day.